The word contempt, the offense of being disobedient to or disrespectful of a court of law and its officers. Welcome to Brian About Town Weekend Edition, sponsored by Blue Harbor Bank, where banking is local and states with Mooresville and Ardell County. Blue Harbor Bank, think local, bank local. And I am so excited to have two guys I've been trying to, to get to come in here. In fact, T.C., this is your second time. That's correct. T.C. Holmes is in the house, and I've also got Judge Joe Crosswhite. And, Judge, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Sure. And I want you to start off. You told me a very interesting story. You made a trip to the uh, library the other day. And tell me about what you were looking for. Well, I don't know if TC wants me to tell this or not. But, you know, the library keeps archives of the papers. And I just wanted to go back and research what happened on the day that I was born, 1962. And so I went back, pulled out that paper. TC's heard this story, too. And there was a little clip at the bottom of it that said new attorney Troy C. Holmesley joined the law firm of Jack Harris. So he joined the day I was born was his first day of practice in law. A historical day for Idaho <laughs> County. And so it's been he's, downhill ever since. he's been practicing law as long as you've been alive. Yes. That's right. In Idaho County. And, uh, and TC, uh, you tell folks now, was that your first uh, firm in Statesville when you joined? Actually, I, I moved to Mooresville and opened up a, a branch of the Kyer Harrison Kyer Law Firm. Okay. At that time. All right. Uh, you know, I opened the. What's uh, the date of your birth, Joe? August twenty fourth, nineteen sixty. That was the day. Yeah. That was yeah. the day. Now, uh, Judge uh, Crosswhite, do you have the authority to hold TC in contempt today in this room? Well. Probably not in this room. As much as I'd like to, and regardless of what he may or may not say, I probably don't have that authority. Now, it's uh, it, it, this apparently is an urban myth. Now, I thought you had been held in contempt, T.C. Is that There's a lot of people have held me in contempt <laughs> over the years, but I have avoided going to jail. You've been warned. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Threatened. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Judge, let's, let's start with you. Uh, tell me a little bit, why did you want to be a judge? Um, you know, I was a lawyer. I'd been a lawyer for probably 16, 17 years, and then um, got, I was in the military at the time, got mobilized to Iraq, spent a year in Iraq. And while I was over there, just thought there might be something more that I'd want to do. I loved being a lawyer, loved my firm. I was practicing with my dad at the time. My brother was on his way back from Montana to be a lawyer, but um, just wanted to be, I, I thought that was an opportunity to kind of do more and um there is a seat that was being opened up and it was just kind of an easy transition so you you had to run for office i did okay so why is it important for judges to be elected well i will tell you that's a big debate going on in raleigh right now they're they're trying to decide whether or not to continue election of judges by the people or go to a merit merit-based selection process um i think it's First of all, what you want to try to do is keep politics out of it as much as you can. And um, there's a lot of concern if um, judges are selected, they might be political appointments or something like that. So by electing people, by having the general population elect, it kind of keeps it a little more fair and balanced. But I'm going to tell you, that might not be the rule in a year in North Carolina. So, T.C., your opinion, do you think they should be elected? Or Absolutely. Appointed? 
You're, you're a big fan of that. So, TC, from your perspective, what what is important? You think it's important for somebody who is a sitting judge to have practice for some amount of time or a good amount, have some good experience on the other side? Well, one of the most interesting times I've spent about that issue has been this past week when I observed the congressional uh, investigation into the new judge that has been recommended by President Trump. Uh, they asked some very pointed questions of this fellow. One is, had he ever tried a case? And his answer was no. Really? Never had tried a jury trial, never had filed a motion, never had argued a motion in court. It, it's extremely important that a judge have the background and experience to deal with the people that he's going to deal with as a judge, be it civil court or criminal court. Most people think of judges as being criminal judges, but the, the most important function Joe serves is being a, a, a judge over all kinds of cases and all kinds of issues. And there's no way he can do that without some background and experience, in my opinion. Right. So you you try both, or you hear both uh, civil and criminal. I do. And in the same day, you could have a mix of both? Well, I mean, that's possible, but typically we have a week of criminal and then a week of civil. Um, so it's rare that the two get mixed together. However... Um, it's starting to happen more and more just because there's there's more and more court. So you kind of just fill in what you need to fill in with what you've got. You could be in, you could be in um, a week of criminal court, and then you have to hear a civil restraining order um, or something like that, and you'll take a little bit of time and you'll do that. Or you could be in civil court, and while the jury's out, you take care of some criminal matters. It just it's just a matter of trying to fill the time the best you can. Right. You know, we have uh, Sheriff Campbell in quite a bit, and you know they've recently made some pretty big uh, arrests uh, concerning drugs and so forth. So I tip. I hear that a lot of those cases get tried in federal court. They do. They do. Um, I think the bigger cases they, and especially if they're interstate cases. Um, the U.S. Attorney's Office likes to look at those, but they don't always have to take them. And a lot of times they just defer and let them be tried at the local level. So, I mean, you've got to have a lot of drugs to go into federal court. You've got to have some sort of interstate connection before you're in federal court. Other than that, it mostly stays here. We deal in a lot more volume than they do in federal court. We might run 25 criminal pleas a day, and in federal court, they might get two a day done. Now, T.C., have you tried many um, criminal cases? Tons of criminal cases. And about a balance of both? Well, I, my practice has always been at least 50% criminal since the day I started. When I came to Mooresville, there was nobody there that actually went to court. They were mostly real estate lawyers in Mooresville at that time. And so I got started going to court criminal. and started doing criminal work. Uh, and as a result of that, I've continued to do it over the years and probably 
I always did at least 50% of my practice was criminal work. So uh, one question I was interested in knowing, do you, as the, as the defense lawyer, do you have uh, a mechanism? If you, if you see a judge, you think, well, I really would not like to try this case before this judge. Do you have a way of uh, asking for another judge to be appointed to the case? Well, you, everybody has got to sort of know the system. And that's part of knowing the system, is knowing your judges. And uh, certainly if I am going to represent my client to uh, the fullest, I need to be able to know who he's going to be appearing before. Uh, It's been very important over the years to do that. I will say this, that today uh, the defense lawyer doesn't have that much control over his case. We used to have a lot of control over our cases about who who heard the case. The district attorney has always been the person that has the ability uh, and the authority to set cases. Uh, the judges do not even have the authority in North Carolina to set cases. They can they can let the, everybody know when they want something done, and it's normally followed. But as far as the authority is concerned, the district attorney has the sole authority to set the docket and set the cases. But certainly, they're uh, right. Part of the system is right. that you certainly know who your judges are. So what, what would you say is the biggest, what has changed the most since, because he, you were born, on, I mean, he was born on the day you, you started practice in this area. So what has changed the most for you, in, especially in the courtroom? Well, as far as being here with Joe today is concerned, I can say this, the relationship between lawyers and judges has changed tremendously. When I came here, uh, we were all sort of part of a big fraternity. Today, uh, there are all kinds of ethics reasons why judges cannot associate with lawyers uh, from a uh, social standpoint except under guidelines, and rightfully so. I mean, this this is uh, evolved uh, because of criticism of relationships between judges and lawyers and this type thing. Right. But Joe and I have managed to have a really good relationship, and we always have. Of course, his father and I had a good relationship. Uh, but uh, but it, it's, it's a relationship with boundaries. You know, I can't... Uh, I can't take Joe out for supper every day of the week and feed him uh, uh, cocktails <laughs> and all of this stuff. Uh, I do take him out when I can, right? Just to to let him know I'm still here, right? But, so you're not uh, completely barred from all social activity. No, no. But at the same time, the ethics, uh, and and let me also say this: the ethics for law have changed tremendously since the time that I started practicing law, too. Uh, and uh, 
for instance, we can no longer have sex with our clients. You know, that's a major. That's a major (laughs) no-no. And that that went on back in the day. (laughs) Oh, I don't know whether it went on or not. uh, All I know is that that's a carefully crafted answer there. So he's heard. So he's He's just going by what he's doing. So another thing that's it's exciting. I was wanted to ask you about Joe. Uh, Now, how many murder one cases have you heard? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Probably. 20 in about nine years. Wow, that's a lot. Now, and TC was explaining to me that somebody, especially if you go for in a death penalty case, it takes a specialist to uh, be the defense. Did you, did you tell me that? Or it's really a really... It's become a, re, a real specialty. And it's become that because of not only the nature of the case, but all of the incidental things that are involved in a murder one case by that it takes about a year and a half to two years to get the cases ready for trial wow by that the judge will hear numerous motions and have to rule on numerous pre-trial things before they can ever get a case to the point of, of being tried the first thing they do, and Joe can correct me if I'm wrong because I may not be up to date on this, is they have a motion to determine whether or not they're going to try a person for his life. By that, are they going to give them the de- try him for the death penalty? That's a Rule 24 motion. It used to be. I don't know what it is today. But in any event, that's done within about in the first three to six months of the case. Right. That's after the DA has looked at all of his evidence and all of the background about the case to determine whether or not this person should be given the death penalty. And then the judge actually is the one that makes a ruling about whether they can proceed okay, so, with the death penalty trial. So this is where you come in. If they say, the DA says, we're, gonna, we're going for the death penalty, and you hear his motion— you have the authority to say, no, you can't. Right, right. And if we do allow it to go forward as a death penalty case, then that automatically triggers a second lawyer to get into the case. And that's typically what you're talking about, a specialist. That's typically somebody from what they call the Capital Defender's Office out of Raleigh that gets on board. And once they get on board, like TC said, the case is – by that point, several months old, and it takes whoever they bring on more time to get brought up to speed on it as well. And let's turn to another subject, uh, drugs. You know, we've been talking about the um, opioid crisis, and uh, I know you see, you see that quite often. And I noticed today on the front page of the paper that State Police Department is trying to get a program where they're trying to avoid criminal going the criminal route if they can uh, are you familiar with that program there were i am i am i've heard about that and i think everybody's trying to do everything they can and i will tell you i mean it's no secret opioids are it, it, probably a good 80 percent of the criminal cases i see have a drug component behind it even if it's a property crime a lot of times people are stealing property to get money to buy drugs um and a lot of what we're seeing with opioids are um, not the kind of people we see. I mean, they're basically they're, um, citizens that have had surgery, had some sort of um, had some sort of injury, and they were prescribed 
opioids from their doctor and then they became addicted to them but they're not guys that typically have criminal records but it is it's 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 i mean everybody calls it an epidemic and it absolutely is you know i remember after uh debbie died and she had a lot of pain pills still left uh, and i remember i said gosh in my hand that that's worth a lot of money on the street so what i did i took it over to the police department and they disposed of it but technically if i would have used it or given it to somebody else i would have been committing a crime absolutely so and it's important to remind folks of, of that too so uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, Joe, do you want to continue to be a judge and, and not go back to private practice? Or? Well, whether or not I continue is up to the, 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 the voters. voters. I guess. That's exactly right. But as I, I would certainly like to continue, I like doing this and hope, hopefully I'll get to stick around a little bit longer. But if not, I'll certainly go back and be a lawyer as well. But that's one of those things about it. It's kind of out of your hands. So. Right. And uh, TC, you're, you're still trying cases? I try very few uh, jury cases anymore. I still try some cases in district court. I remember you told a story. Uh, was it sorry you had a one of your clients was already held in contempt before you got over to the courthouse? I don't know if you remember that story. Oh yeah. And uh, you were trying to get there to defend them. By the time you got there, they'd already been hauled out. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of those things that goes around. Now, TC, you have uh, how, how many kids do you have, TC? Children. Children. Well, I claim to, you know, those are the ones that I've always <laughs> admitted to. And do are, are, you have a, a lawyer in the family? I do. I have a son that's a lawyer, doing a real good job. He's down in Mooresville. And uh, Joe, you have a, a son, one son? One, yeah. He's 19, and uh, he's a sophomore in college. He's at the Citadel right now. So you went to law school at uh, South Carolina. I did. And uh, you've got a, a Tar Heel over here. So, and you're, you're getting ready He's to go. a volunteer. Yeah. Joe I'm more of a ten, well, I'm, I was an undergrad at Tennessee, so, so I'm more of a volunteer fan than I am a South Carolina fan. I shouldn't say that because we've got a lot of South Carolina people here, but I've always claimed Tennessee. Well, you know, it's funny. To, you know, always, we beat Sunday, by the way. That's right, you did. That's right, and uh, and he's he's that just was in looking for ball, not football. That's right. <laughs> well, he's looking forward, but TC's looking forward for the rematch or the uh, Duke Carolina game this year in basketball. Well, well, I always look forward to that, Brian, primarily because you're a big Duke. That's right. You like come back and right, rub it in my face after you guys are the d- defending champions. Is that That's right? right? That's, That's right. right. So, um, so the outlook, if you had to change, uh, going back to the, the law thing, if you had to change anything about the way uh, the procedures are going, what, what's the one thing you would change about uh, the, the way that things are function in the courtroom? Is there anything you would change? Are you talking about criminal cases in well, particular? Well, yeah. Um, you know, TC might be able to answer this as well. It's just, um, it, like I said, everything we do is just so volume-driven. And when I first started for a plea, we'd read a transcript that was maybe a page, and now the transcript's four pages. And it seems like every time they come out with a new law, it just adds to it. I think the thing we need more than anything else, we just need – I mean, it's all funding. You just need, we need more district attorneys. We need more clerks. We need more judges. We need more criminal court time. So, I mean, is it hard to get people? I mean, how many DAs do we have here? You know, I'm not real sure. 14? I think there's 12 or 14, yeah. So. Yeah, we just got funded for a second one. Sarah Kirkman, our elected DA, would be better to answer that than I am. But I think we've got about 14. But you've also got to remember, those DAs are running um, Superior Court 
They've got district court in Alexander County and Statesville and Mooresville. They've got, um, they do a lot of stuff with children, with child courts, with delinquency courts and those other kind of things. So they, they're, they're full. Those 12 or 14 DAs are spread pretty thin, I think. So that, that's one of the challenges you think is that you're, you're in a, so TC, looking back in your earlier years, the volume has increased. When I first came here, we probably had uh, eight criminal superior courts a year. Uh, today, Joe can tell us exactly, but we don't have enough today. They have to, they have to get uh, Judge Crosswhite and Judge Gully to hold to do criminal cases any time they can get them to try to keep the docket up to date, and then they're way behind. Uh, what the public doesn't realize is that the legislature, as well as the federal government, have all cut down substantially on the, on the percentage of dollars that they allot to the court system. Right. At the same time, they're passing more laws that require incarceration and they're passing more criminal laws. Every, every legislature puts more and more criminal laws in place. Well, when you're doing that, you're increasing the volume. But you, when you increase the volume and decrease the funds, you're creating a monstrous problem. And it's getting to be a problem because uh, we don't have the time nor the facilities, nor the personnel to handle the volume. One of the best things that's happening to me, to the criminal court system, is we're going to take the 16 and 17 years old out of the, of the, of the part of the system that requires the greater period of time. We're going to put them into juvenile court, which will change a little bit of the dynamics and it will change Joe's workload tremendously. But at the same time, they're not putting any money in place to handle the juvenile court. It's going to create a problem in So it's a funding. Court. Yeah, it's all money. money. Yeah, I, I could give you an example of that. I was talking to uh, Sheriff Campbell several months ago, and he said when he started 20 years ago, and I might be wrong on my numbers, but I'm pretty close, he said the Sheriff's Department had about 60 deputies. Now, 20 years later, the Sheriff's Department has five times that many. They've got about 240, 250. I'm sure Statesville Police, Morrisville Police have increased that much. So that's five times more officers out there writing five times more tickets for, as TC said, more laws. But the problem is we're we're still operating with the same number of judges we've wow. we've always had. Now you, you made a point. He, he made a statement a while ago that the legislature has, has mandated certain uh, penalties or incarceration for certain crimes. So you don't have any latitude if if this person is convicted of a whatever that may be. You you don't have the latitude to. Not much, not much. We sentence off of what's called a grid. And what you do is you take the level of crime and you match it on the grid where their prior criminal record is and where they fall in that grid. You've got a little bit of latitude in there, but you're going to sentence them to that. Now, the difference is from when TC first started is you might give somebody 20 years and that would mean they actually serve two. 
Now, if we give somebody 20 years, they actually serve 20 years. So, you know, where you hear about, you know, they're going in for 10 and they'll be out in 18 months, that just doesn't happen anymore. Okay. So now, have you ever had a case where, you know, you, the jury comes back and they can it, they declare a guilty or not guilty? And but you really know, based on the evidence, that that's not the case. Do you have any? Well, we do. But but I'm going to tell you this. I, and I, I tell every jury this. I think our jury system is the best form of government we have because you've got 12 people who aren't concerned about politics. They're not concerned about being reelected or about making people happy. They're just concerned about hearing the facts and doing the right thing. And out of a trial, one of those people or, or one of those 12 is going to see or hear or think of everything that possibly could have happened. And I think it's the fairest way. And I'll give you a contrast to that. Is a couple of years ago, and I think TC knows this, a couple of years ago I was in Afghanistan. I was in the military over there, and um, I watched an Afghan trial where a guy was charged with murder. It was a judge without a jury. The judge heard about five minutes of evidence, all of which would be hearsay, none of it admissible here, found the guy guilty of murder, sentenced him to death, and that was about five minutes. And I was sitting there thinking how lucky we are oh, wow. to have our system of justice. It's a little bit slower. It's a little bit longer. But by the time the jury gets it, they're going to make the right decision. So there is such a thing in our system as a summary judgment. You can elect to – you can choose to have – just the judge decide the case. Is that correct? Can now. We could not do that. And Was it a year ago? About, about a year ago. About yeah. a year ago. Up until a year ago, if you pled not guilty in Superior Court, which is what Judge uh, Crosswhite is, a Superior Court judge, you had to have a jury trial. Now you can have a trial by judge. You have to specifically request it or waive a jury trial in order to do that. I mean, would you envision a, a case where you would like that to happen? There are cases, absolutely. And depend on the judge, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of factors go into it. But uh, there are certain cases that, that jurors are going to have a uh, bad reaction to. And, of course, the most common case that we deal with are sex cases against right. children. And that's just hard. Jurors, jurors uh, have a hard time with those. Sure. And, but I also want you to know a lot of judges do, too. Well, sure. I'm sure <laughs> of that. Well, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for being guests on my show today and explain a little bit about how things doing. So overall, how would you rate the Iredell County uh, uh, judicial system right now? Me? Oh, I think. I, I'm going to tell you what. I think you've got a lot of people in there, a lot of dedicated employees. They work really hard with an incredibly high caseload and incredibly low funding to do what they do. And UTC? Well, you know, I've always had a high opinion of judges, particularly to their face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so right here we have a we have a testimony. I think the world of judges. There you go, T C I think that's that's the way we're gonna go out. And I asked you for a song. I think we're gonna go out on Garth Burke's Friends in Low Places. That's a good way to go out. This has been brought about town weekend, sponsored by Blue Harbor Bank, where banking is local in states or Mooresville and Arnold County. Blue Harbor Bank, thank local, bank local. Gentlemen, thank you for being in here. Here is Garth Burke friends in low places. <laughs> Blame it all on my roots 
I showed up in boots and ruined your blind tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be thrilled, but you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got friends in all places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Slip on down to the oasis So I've got a friend in love, they say I was wrong I just don't belong But then I've been there before Everything's alright I'll just say goodnight And I'll show myself to the door Hey, I didn't mean To cause a big scene Just give me an hour And then I'll be as high as that ivory tower That you're living now Cause I got friends in all places Where the whiskey drowns And the beer chases my blues away And I'll be okay Yeah, I'm not big on salt I slip on down 